1: All right, good camp so far for James Cook and
0: Brandon Ayuk and Rashad White, among many others. Those are some of the rankings risers we're going to be talking about today on Fantasy Football today. We'll also talk about rankings fallers, Alvin Kamara, news and notes. We got a busy show for you. I'm just realizing I left my glasses on. I'm going to take those off. I've never done a show with my glasses on before. What's wrong with
2: glasses, man? I've got glasses. Chris has glasses. Let's go. go you can see the nerd (laughs) you can see the ring light in the glasses
0: i think so it's a little distracting so yeah i'm gonna take those off anyway um good morning happy monday everybody anybody have a case of the mondays Uh, if you're gonna take your glasses off i'm taking my (laughs) glasses
2: off we're gonna go crazy here today uh no no case of the mondays i had coffee All right, great. I can't read anything on the screen in front of me. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. (laughs) So
0: Chris Towers is here joining us on this Monday morning. We have position previews for the rest of the week. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday is running back. Thursday and Friday, wide receiver and mailbag on Saturday for you. But Chris, you're here. I want to hear about your rankings, risers, and followers. Give me your biggest rankings riser right now. Gosh,
3: biggest rankings riser. Well, I guess I should pull up the list of guys that I sent. Actually, you know what? Let's just get into it. I started out at the same place that everyone else did on Chris Godwin, and I'm starting to become more open to the possibility that we just overreacted to, look, the, the loss of Tom Brady and the, the downgrade from him to either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield is going to be a significant one. I think there are reasons to be concerned about how much that offense is going to pass relative to the past few years, but Chris Godwin's a really good player. And I think that's being overlooked him and Mike Evans in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. They're not going to throw the ball 740 times or whatever it was last season. I believe it was the, the most pass attempts in NFL history, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. But this offense should still clearly run through Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. That's still the, the strength of this offense. It's going to come down. I But I think this is probably still going to be a team that throws more than the average team. Chris Godwin, remember last season, was coming back from that torn ACL, wasn't 100% at the start of the season, had the hamstring injury in week one, said he didn't really feel 100% until after the team's bye, which was in week 11, remember? Yeah. From week 12 on, this is what his 17-game pace was. 136 catches, 1,331 yards, only five touchdowns. I think touchdowns are going to be tough to come by in this offense, but I just think we've seen Chris Godwin succeed with, as a fantasy option, three different quarterbacks in his career. He's had uh, Tom Brady, obviously, and then I'm James blanking Winston, on this. Brian James, James Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. were the other two guys. We've seen him succeed as a down-the-field guy. We've seen him succeed as a... Uh, possession type in the short area last year, you know, uh, sorry, 5.1 yards per per catch after the catch is a pretty strong number for a guy coming back from a torn ACL. So for me, it's just like we're kind of burying him as a wide receiver three at this point in, in, in drafts and ADP, all that stuff. I don't really see any reason why he can't catch 100 passes again in this offense. I I, I I get Mike Evans, you know, being more touchdown dependent, being more big play dependent in his career. I, I can see that being more of a concern. But Godwin, it just feels like such an easy volume play where like I'm not sure DJ Moore's a better player than Chris Godwin. I, I think that's open to debate. I'm not sure Justin Fields is a better passer than Baker Mayfield. I'm pretty confident the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to throw the ball at least 100 times more than the Chicago Bears. Godwin ahead of Moore? I have Godwin ahead of Moore, yes. All right,
0: so Dave, you uh, this is one of the segments I was going to have was a Chris Godwin debate uh, because this is one player that's on, the only player I think that's on someone's rankings risers list that's on the other guy's followers
2: list. So you've moved Chris Godwin down in your rankings, Dave. I read last week how Mike Evans has started to play more in the slot in camp, and they intend to move both these guys around I just did the quick research on how Chris Godwin did last year when he lined up in the slot. Technically, all of his touchdowns came when he lined up out wide, but his A dot was nearly two yards per target lower. His yards per catch was nearly – it was a yard and a half lower when he was out wide versus in the slot. Both those stats, very weird to me considering that he was out wide. He also ran just 156 routes when he was out wide versus in the slot. I believe in, like what Chris was saying about Godwin is how I feel about Mike Evans. Terrific talent. Get him the football. Work on getting him involved in the offense even more than they have in the past and let him be the guy that can kind of carry these things. And he's typically been the more explosive receiver of the two, not taking things away from Chris Godwin as an explosive receiver. But he's never really had the metrics of being an amazing downfield threat. When we talk about wide receivers with huge playmaking ability, he's always been a volume play. Chris mentioned that he expects Godwin to continue to be a volume play. And I agree, but only to an extent. Last year, Tampa Bay led the NFL with 44.2 attempts per game, pass attempts per game, not run Mm -hmm. attempts per game. There's no way they're going to be anywhere close to that with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and a new offensive coordinator and a new philosophy on offense. I bet they're going to be much closer to the middle of the pack, which is going to be around 33, 34 pass attempts per game. That's 10 attempts per game. That's going to kill the target volume of everybody. In that offense. But he can't be a number two, a low-end number two receiver. I with think that. there are other receivers that I can draft who have a better profile to either get more targets or have better efficiency numbers than Chris Godwin, who's going to be sharing, theoretically, Evan stays healthy, in this Tampa Bay offense. And also, I, don't, I think there's going to be a lot of games where Tampa Bay is competitive, where they're not going to have to chase points and get up into that 37, 38, 39 pass attempt game. So this is something that really works against Godwin, in my opinion. Somebody who's always been uh, very reliable in full PPR because he gets a lot of targets, and he'll still get a lot of targets, but it's going to be based on how much they throw. This has been a Heath Cummings argument for months, and I, I think he said that he's not even sure. I, I'm maybe I'm talking out of you know where, but I think he said that he's not sure that Godwin can get to even 80 catches this year. And if he's not, if he's getting 80 catches. Is he getting much more than a 1,000 yards? Probably not. Is he getting more than four or five touchdowns? No. Maybe. Uh, I'm not excited about him. Uh, I've already moved Mike Evans ahead of him in non-PPR. I'd probably take Evans ahead of Godwin in half PPR. And I'm getting close to putting Evans ahead of Godwin in full PPR. Wow. All of that being said, and I'm sorry for going on, it was at this time last year when we were afraid to get DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett on our teams.
0: Mm-hmm. How did those or guys Amari Cooper. turn out? But but Amari. But they got great quarterback play. The guy I compare these Bucks receivers to is Amari Cooper because he had bad quarterback play, and he finished as a top 10 wide receiver. I don't think he sure. was top 10 per game, but well, he was certainly a great pick. And Gobbin and Evans are the two guys that I would nominate as this year's Amari Cooper with a, a Goblin I would take ahead of Evans.
3: I, I would also point out just, I think that the Seahawks comparison is instructive in that are we too confident that the quarterback play in Tampa is just going to be an outright disaster? Right, right, right. But like yeah. I I don't think Baker Mayfield's good. His his last, you know, his production right. last season, especially 6.5 yards per attempt, 60% completion percentage. He was terrible. Before that, even when Baker Mayfield wasn't a great player, he still averaged over 7.2 yards per attempt in all four of his first four seasons, 4.1 touchdown rate. Uh, at least in each of his first four seasons like those aren't great numbers but they're not and this might be a bad comp cuz Sam Darnold actually outplayed him last season in the same offense but it's not Sam Darnold in in New York it's not Zach Wilson stuff I don't think Baker Mayfield's good but we have seen like Jarvis Landry be a pretty useful fantasy option with him I know Odell Beckham wasn't great but Different right. type of player and was still like right. in the low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three range. It was just not the elite production we were hoping for. So I think Baker Mayfield's probably not good. I just, I think there's a little too much certainty that
2: he's going to be just an outright, you know, tire fire. And well, one thing to point out is that we saw Baker play last year in two different offenses. How often did we watch him and go, oh, wow, maybe there's some potential there? There were flashes when he was in. Right. There were flashes when he was in LA. But that's about it. The difference between him and Gino, and this is just off the top of the dome. We didn't see Gino play much, if at all, sure, for several years before he got this chance in Seattle. So there were things that Gino might have learned along the way to improve his game. I don't know if Baker's making a jump like that in one offseason. The other thing I want to point out, and then Adam, back to you. Seattle averaged 33.7 pass attempts per game last year. That was pretty close to the league average. Lockett finished 16th in PPR points per game, DK 25th in PPR points per game. Obviously, they would have been higher if Seattle had thrown more last year. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um all right then. That's uh, that's Chris Godwin. Dave, who's your biggest rankings riser? Uh <laughs> and look, so so I just we have like 30 guys to talk about today, so if we're a little brief on yeah, some sure. of these players, I just want to let, let our listeners know. I think it's more important today to give everybody kind of a lay of the land instead of uh, a lot of debates because there's a lot going on. and you know, Stuff you may have missed in terms of people moving up and down
2: the depth chart and things like that. So, Dave, who's your biggest rankings riser right now? I think we got the debate out of the way with Godwin, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, my rankings riser, and I'm always looking for running backs I can draft in the middle rounds and maybe get better value from, Brian Robinson in Washington. The reports are great on him. They're saying that he looks leaner, faster, making an impact in the passing game. Now it's all practice, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I'm I'm going to be lucky enough to see him in person at his preseason game against Washington or against Cleveland. Rather, uh, he always plays for Washington. I'm curious to see how he'll do, and I wonder if we're kind of ignoring him because he's not on a great team. Questions about the offense, but. I'm almost certain that he's going to be their guy inside the five as long as not inside of two minutes in the first half of a football game. That they will go to Robinson and he will have a shot to score some decent touchdowns this year. And we're getting him in like, I mean, I can look at the NFC ADP just to throw a number out there at everybody. His average draft position in the month of August, this is 44 drafts, 100.55 overall. I love the idea of getting a starting running back with some touchdown upside at 100th overall. Yeah, that's
0: basically where he's going in, in fantasy pros, 110th overall, Brian Robinson. Would you take in a PPR league, or would you take Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson?
2: Robinson. In full PPR? In full PPR. It's close. They're really close, but Robinson. Would you take Brian Robinson or Khalil Herbert? I've got Herbert one spot ahead of Robinson right now. In a week, that could flip. Okay.
0: All right, I want to promote a few things. Our Facebook group, go to Facebook, search for Fantasy Football Today, join the fun, ask some questions, get some answers. You know how it works. YouTube, youtube.com slash Today. You can see all of our streams live or on demand. You can see FFT and Five there. You can see FFT Dynasty there. And you, if you're watching, please hit the like button. If you're uh, there or not, you know, whatever you are, go subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. We need subscribers, please. Uh, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, we have a live mock draft on youtube.com slash football today. Please join us for that. That's Tuesday night, every Tuesday night for the next several weeks. 8 p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing a mock draft. Tomorrow night will be non-PPR, but even if you don't play a non-PPR, you can still come and join the fun and uh, learn about different players or get some player debates and things like that. Just see how the draft unfolds. And finally, FFT Dynasty. They still record Tuesday afternoons, but they have their own separate feed now for the audio side here on YouTube. It's still at youtube.com/slash fantasy football today. But on the audio side, download, subscribe to the Fantasy Football Today Dynasty podcast wherever you listen. Let's get a rankings faller first from Dave. Dave, who's your biggest rankings faller?
2: One of my rankings fallers that uh, that I sent you was J.K. Dobbins. It just makes, or I'm sorry, that's not. Oh, I did send you Dobbins. Yeah, yeah. Did I, think I you, send both you Dobbins? You both what the hell's
0: wrong with me? You both sent Dobbins,
2: a mutual yep. faller. Four. I, I I'm think. worried about him. What's going on? Uh, Is he yeah. going to be back in camp for for Baltimore? My son. Go ahead. Am Dave. I back or not? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Good. Hello. What a horrible thirty seconds this has been. Um, <laughs> Dobbins fell to the sixth round in my son's draft. He's in a competitive league with a bunch of his friends. You know, these are teenagers, so they aren't as sharp as adults, of course. But (laughs) I I think that Dobbins in round six is good value, but he's sliding. And I I don't think it's crazy to see him there. I do expect him to eventually get into the fold in Baltimore and to be a good contributor in this offense. So there's a dip here that we can buy, but he's fallen in my rankings. Behind who, Dave? He's gone behind Miles Sanders. He's gone behind Rashad White. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, James Conner, Jameer Gibbs. Like He's someone that's got – he doesn't even have super huge upside because we've never seen him profile as a big-time pass catcher. I know they're talking about that in Baltimore. I feel like he's got 10 touchdown potential, which is great. 1,300 rush yards. That's pretty good. That's that's a running back. That ceiling profiles is like a round-two pick. That's pretty good, but I don't think he'll ever have the catches to go along with it. So it's almost like – Twelve PPR or non PPR points per game. You're going to draft him sooner than that. Non PPR. Not many people are playing that format anymore.
3: All right, Chris. Um, how about you give me a rankings, follower? I mean, I, I 100% agree with Dobbins. It's mostly just the uncertainty around his situation because we're we're assuming it's based on contract demands. He is also on the pup list, and he wasn't taking part in in off season workouts. Allegedly, because of injuries, and that that uncertainty and that lack of clarity is a little concerning for me. Because it's if it was just the the holdout or hold in, I guess I, I don't think I'd be too concerned. But the fact that there is some un- uncertainty around his his health is a little concerning to me. And also, just Baltimore's kind of been an overrated fantasy backfield over the past couple of years. There was the the year where was it Mark Ingram had 15 touchdowns? Yeah. Other than that, this really hasn't been a great place. And I I do think there's breakout potential for J.K. Dobbins because, you know, new offense coordinator Todd Monken has routinely used, you know, he's given, I think, one running back 14 and a half carries per game, all but one season of his career as an offensive coordinator. So I do think there's some potential for J.K. Dobbins to finally get 250 carries and and really be a, a breakout. But the the. Just weird vibes, I guess, is the best way to, to phrase what's going on with J.K. Dobbins. That, that, the uncertainty has, has certainly dropped him in my rankings a bit.
0: Okay, and uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting, J.K. Dobbins versus Rashad White. Dave has White ahead of Dobbins. White, as I mentioned at the top of the show, has had a good training camp, and I think he's on your risers list, Chris. Would you take Rashad White or uh, J.K. Dobbins at this point? Uh, you are muted mr towers
3: i do still have jk dobbins ranked ahead of rashad white but yeah there have been for me my concern with rashad white coming in was we're we were assuming he was the the clear rb1 but because he was so i would say bad as a rookie that i wasn't sure they were just going to hand him the rb1 job but from what i've seen out of camp that's absolutely what's happening and That clears up a lot of the concerns. He's a volume play. I don't think he's a super talented player. I don't think it's a great offense, but look, if he's going to get 240 carries and and 70 targets, then it doesn't really matter how good he is. Are you guys taking J.K. JK Dobbins, Rashad White, or Alvin Kamara first?
2: Uh, I will take, in PPR, it's going to be White, then Dobbins, then Kamara. And in non-PPR, it'll be Dobbins, White, Kamara. I have it Dobbins white Camara right now, but Dobbins and white
3: are closer than they are to Camara. Although Camara still has, I think more upside than, than we might want to give him credit for.
0: Well, we did about five minutes on Camara on Saturday, or I guess it was Friday when the news broke, it was me and Heath mm-hmm. coming. So if you want to check that out, it was a bonus podcast. You can find it in our feed. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, a bunch of news and notes,
1: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Okay, Sam Howell getting most or all of the first team reps in Washington. They have not completely countered out Jacoby Brissett, but at least it looks like it's not so much a competition, but it is Howell's job to lose in Washington. Running back news, sit down, we got a lot of it. Mike Florio (laughs) says that, the Broncos and Chiefs are among the teams interested in Josh Jacobs if the Raiders rescind the franchise tag, which is not completely out of the question. I guess that would make him a free agent. It would save the Raiders ten million dollars.
2: That's uh, his agent trying to get Jacobs paid.
0: Okay, yeah, I don't really think that that's rumor happen. out there. Yeah, uh, the Rams. This is just a lot of handcuff stuff, maybe right now, just depth chart stuff. The Rams, according to ESPN, see Kyron Williams as their number two running back mm-hmm. and perhaps a better pass blocker than Cam Akers.
2: Yeah, third down back type.
0: Damian Harris and Latavius Murray were competing for short yardage reps, but both of them in Buffalo have been behind James Cook, and Harris has been the second team running back. I guess the question would be, you know, is Harris or Latavius Murray going to take James Cook off the field in short yardage? Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. That's expected. But Cook has been a riser, so we'll get to him. Also yes. Uh, Bears running back Deontay Foreman. This is the annual time of year where – everyone's involved in the passing game, especially the ones that are never involved in the passing game. So Deontay Foreman, Nick Chubb, which maybe I buy a little bit more. Ryan Robinson. Ryan Robinson, for sure. That was one that I wanted to bring up. Dave already did. These guys have been used more in the passing game. But I actually look back to 2019. And before... So that was the year that Kareem Hunt signed with the Browns. Mm-hmm. But he was suspended for the first eight games. In the first eight games of the season, Nick Chubb had 25 catches. So he was on pace for 52 or 53 catches, whatever it was, mm-hmm. over. I might have my math wrong. No, I think about 53 catches over 17 games. We did see that uh, in 2019, which was a long time ago. Saints running back, you know, Benjamin out for the season. By the way, the Saints are, are hosting Kareem Hunt today. So we'll see if
2: anything happens there. Chase, Good, another running back.
0: Yeah, exactly. Chase Edmonds could be Tampa Bay's third down back. So in the discussion about Rashad White, is that a concern that Chase Edmonds, that they like him and maybe he could be the third down back, Dave Richard?
2: We've seen Edmonds in that role before and lose it. So that doesn't really scare me off of Rashad White very much.
0: Last year was a terrible year for Chase Edmonds. Started with the Dolphins and we thought he could be good. I think he had 12 carries in week one for 25 yards and then he lost his role and then he got traded to the Broncos, it just was a bad year for Edmonds. Before that, he looked like a pretty good player in spurts. And I think he's only 27. And by the way, Baker Mayfield actually has a pretty good history of throwing to running backs. 20%, yes. Yeah. Um, we saw it with Duke Johnson. We saw it with Nick Chubb, as I mentioned, and then Kareem Hunt um, last year with McCaffrey, for what that's worth. Uh, but uh, how about you, Chris? Does I guess the role of, of Rashad White, he's really probably going to need to be on the field a lot to be great. So, what about this Chase Edmonds potential third down role?
3: Yeah, I mean that—that's one of the things that I'm I'm really trying to keep an eye on, and there just hasn't been a ton of reporting out of Tampa. You know, I've seen a few reports that they view Rashad White as a a clear three down back, which was why I've ranked him, put him as a riser. But you know, if there's any ambiguity about his role, I don't really want very much of Rashad White because he feels like a a pretty classic dead zone RB where I don't. I, I don't want to speak for everyone. I don't think he's a particularly good player. You know, what we saw last season was pretty uninspiring. I thought he couldn't beat out uh, a pretty dusted Leonard Fournette and certainly wasn't all that much better than him when he had his opportunities. So if there's any ambiguity about his role, especially as a pass catcher, because that's I think really what the appeal is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have Rashad. White as a top 12 or top 24 running back for sure? Miami
0: rookie running back Devon A. Chain is day to day with a leg injury. Um, Keontae Ingram looks like the front runner to be James Conner's backup in Arizona. Chris, Chris Evans is a name to know. I think we all like Chase Brown potentially in Cincinnati, but it could be Chris Evans as Joe Mixon's backup. And right now in Indianapolis, with Jonathan Taylor out, with Zach Moss out, Evan Hull and Deion Jackson have been splitting first team reps. Tank Bigsby had a good day in camp the other day. He scored a couple of touchdowns in a red zone drill, and I know Hold up, didn't the Colts sign Kenyon Drake? They did sign Kenyon Drake. Yes, they yeah. did.
2: Like the an- the answer to your question when you don't have anything good at running back is to sign Kenyon Drake and yeah. that makes it all worse for fantasy. So this will be a mess if they don't have Jonathan Taylor. Tank Bigsby is uh is, you know, whatever, but here, he he's A potential goal-line stealer and handcuffed to ETN. Dearness Johnson has also been in that role, though. Yeah, but you cannot find a
0: bad word about Travis ETN right now. It seems to indicate that he is having a great camp and poised for a big year. That's another rankings riser. Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, Amir Abdullah and Zamir White have been splitting first-team reps for the Raiders, the Cardinals sign the Mac. whatever. How about this, Chris? Kenneth Gainwell getting two-minute drill work for the Eagles, and they're using so many running backs there. I don't know that we have any clarity right now about what to expect.
3: Yeah, the first, I was looking back at some of the stuff I was writing this time last year, and, and I realized that a lot of the stuff we're seeing out of Eagles camp is exactly what they said last year. They were using four backs in the first team. They were cycling everyone through. Then when the season came, I mean four backs got on the field. Right. But it was all Miles Sanders in the running game. So that's one of the things in the preseason I really want to keep an eye on is is how they use the the rushing downs, I guess. If because if it's if there's no clarity in the rushing role, then it's DeAndre Swift is the guy to to use. But if Rashad Penny's the clear lead rusher, then I think it, it opens up some other avenues. But yeah, Gainwell is going to have a role. DeAndre Swift's not going to dominate the pass, every passing snap here, and that's, that's a, a struggle when it's a team that hasn't thrown the ball to running backs very
2: often in the past. Love going after Penny if I go zero RB in my builds because he can get me off to a good start. We can expect him to be healthy for, fingers crossed, the first month of the season. It's almost the same thing that we said last year about Penny. He can be a starter for you to begin the year. He's an RB2 to begin out. the year. Yeah, for four weeks. Yeah. And what if he stays healthy for two months? You mm-hmm. know, the fantasy gods will smile on us. Would be an amazing value. And we're talking round eight, round nine. And he yeah, has I dropped know, weight. Guys. I don't know. I
0: mean, <laughs> on Friday I talked about an ESPN report that that DeAndre Swift. It was more of like a gut feeling that DeAndre Swift was starting to, you know, look better and and maybe bidding to be to be the guy. And my concern with Penny is. I mean, we're talking maybe zero catches for Penny, maybe one per game. And if he doesn't score 60 yards and no touchdowns, you know, like Jalen Hurts scores so many touchdowns near the end zone. You talk about touchdown dependent. I mean, that is... Sure.
2: Rashawn that's Penny. why he's not going ahead of Swift, right, and but, that's why he's not like a round seven pick. I know. I get
0: that. I get that.
3: But, right. There's there's value in Penny. Yeah, yeah, there's one cent. So... But I, I will... I, I think it's <laughs> unlikely that they have multiple starting running backs for fantasy. Like that, yeah. that doesn't, I, if, if there's, Agree. there's ambiguous backfields where you can see, like Detroit, I can see both yep. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery being worth using. Philadelphia, I think it's either they've got one guy who's an RB2 or they've got three guys that are RB4s and that there's not a lot of room in between that.
0: Right. Okay. Last running back note is a big one here. So ESPN's uh, Dan Graziano was at Dallas camp. And he basically scoffed at the notion that this is going to be a uh, a run-heavy team. And he has a quote from a Cowboys official. Look at our personnel. Do we look like we're built to be a run-first team? And then he went on to say, no, they don't. And he said, look, I expect Pollard to be the number one running back in Dallas, obviously. This is Graziano, not this Cowboys official. Um, And I think... Pollard will be a nice fantasy asset. I'm just not sure you should expect any more production from him this year than what he gave you last year just because Elliott is gone. The Cowboys still see Pollard as a player. They have to be careful not to overwork if they're going to keep getting the best out of him, so I would expect them to use other backs in combination with him. The Cowboys are higher on second-year back Malik Davis than you might think, and I believe five-foot-six rookie Deuce Vaughn will have a role as well. So does that uh, does that analysis if it holds true does that take him out of the first round not for me no
2: I don't entirely buy it all
0: I also Just, would say that he, he kind of Graziano was also kind of saying
2: that Pollard's going to have a role in the passing game so sure you know which he did last year and he did a good job with it and there's 12 touchdowns missing from last year from Ezekiel Elliott not being on the team. 12 rushing touchdowns. Zeke had that role. Zeke's not there anymore, and I don't think Malik Davis is going to have that role. If you give Pollard six more touchdowns on what he did last year, and he scored a ton of touchdowns last year, you're talking about 18.6 PPR points per game. Who? Tony Pollard. How many points
0: per game? 18.6. 18.6. Oh, 18. I was like, I thought you said 8.6. That's why I didn't know. No, 8.6 8.
2: would not be good. That'd that's be not bad. a first rounder, yeah. but 18.6 is pretty close to what Derek Henry gave you last year in PPR.
3: Yeah. I, I've got him as more like a early second rounder. I think he's my number 15 overall player that that's with like, I'm only projecting like one and a half, two more targets per game and three carries per game more. So I'm not ex- expecting him to, you know, suddenly have a Josh Jacobs role or anything. I think, among the the top twelve running backs, Pollard is probably the, the lowest in projected rushing attempt for me. So there is definitely I think still room even on that projection for him to to outperform
2: expectations. But and if he yeah, if he gets another not, um, if he gets another one and a half targets per game, I'm sorry to cut you off, Chris. I thought you were done. No, you're good. You're getting close to five targets per game. He averaged almost three point five last year. Yeah. I'd be awesome. love to see that. That would be amazing. It'd be a monster. He'd All
0: be right, a monster wide receiver news. Sean McVay downplayed Cooper Cup's injury. Hopefully, this is nothing serious. Um, Cortland Sutton having team. a good camp.
3: Yeah. yeah, every time Russell Wilson needs a completion, he looks to Cortland Sutton. That's never burned anyone before. Let's get him in the top twelve wide receivers, baby. Let's do it. Uh, that feels very personal. I had I had a very good season last year fading Cortland Sutton, and I'd be happy to do it again. Uh, I mean, I'll take him
0: around pick 100 or something like that.
3: Right, yeah, like where he's going, who cares? There's no downside
0: to taking him. (laughs) Round 10. Rashad Bateman could be back soon. Garrett Wilson should practice this week. TJ Hawkinson left practice. There's a thought that this is contract related, but he left with, I think, a trainer. I don't know. It's a bit of a vague situation now with TJ Hawkinson. Probably nothing to be concerned about. Unfortunately, Houston center Scott Cuisenberry is out for the season with a torn ACL and MCL. So that's a significant injury, one of the 1st yeah. we've had. In They're going to have to start
2: a rookie there.
0: Yeah, and they had one of the worst offensive lines in terms of creating in the run game. They were last, I believe, according to PFF, in
2: uh, like yards before contact mm-hmm. created. True, but they are changing their run scheme, so mm-hmm. I don't know if it means anything. They added Shaq Mason as well. That's the Houston
0: Texans. Uh, I won't give you the defensive injuries let's or, or notes or whatever, uh, except I will say that Carolina signed Justin Houston and Chicago signed Yannick Ngakwe, two pass rushers there for Carolina and for Chicago. All right, back to the rankings risers. Give me 30 seconds. Tell me why you're rising this guy, wh- where he is in the rankings, and then if there's a, a need for uh, expanding, we will do that. Chris, Ryan Tannehill, start with him.
3: Yeah, he's QB 22 for me. He's going 31st still over the past two weeks in NFC drafts at QB behind Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Ryan Tannehill, I mean, we've seen this guy be a top 12-ish quarterback for multiple seasons, even in a low-volume passing offense. DeAndre Hopkins, by all accounts, still looks very good, was a very good player last year. Traylon Burks has an opportunity to step up and play a bigger role in, in season two. I just think we're burying this guy as a QB two. He's not someone you you want in a one QB league, even you know necessarily as a backup. But I think it's a it's a high floor play with a decent number of QB one weeks. Agreed. Good.
0: All right. Yeah, Rashad White. Want to spend a little more time on this, Rashad White? Where'd you move him up
3: to, Chris? He's still, I think, a fringe RB two for me. Yeah, I have him twenty six at the running back position that's partially just like, I really like David Montgomery. I still have David uh, Deandre Swift ahead of him, but the going from being uncertain about what his role is going to be to getting some reports that Rashad white is, you know, viewed as the clear lead runner. And, you know, obviously the passing downs work if chase Edmonds doesn't take it, which that report would be bad. Uh, He's, he's moved up from like a, a dead zone RB three to a fringe RB two with, with room to continue moving for me. All right. Uh, how about Joe Mixon? Where'd you move Joe Mixon up to Joe Mixon? I, I'm mostly just trying not to move him too far up. Uh, but ever since he got his contract situation settled, I don't really see a reason why he shouldn't be viewed in that RB one discussion. We know how valuable that role is going to be. We saw Samaje Perine Ryan be a must start player in that offense. I don't have any faith in, in any of the various fifth round pick backup running backs that they've got. Uh, so I just think Joe Mixon, I think was third in the NFL in green zone touches last season, uh, at the running back position, wasn't efficient converting him them, but we saw a, a, multi, a 12 touchdown season from him. I think two years ago, I just think there's 250 carry 75 target. That's not even the upside. I think that's kind of the floor for Joe Mixon and double digit touchdowns with
2: just a little bit of vari- better variance than last season. He had the most depressing season where he averaged just over 17 PPR points. Right.
3: Right. like This is a guy who was a a must-star fantasy running back. And we've gone from like, oh, wow, Joe Mixon's the most talented running back in the NFL to now it's just like, he's done. He's a scrub. Nobody cares. And it's like, it doesn't really matter. It's a great offense. There's no competition for touches. And they used him in the passing game a ton last season. So I, I just... I don't know. The the vibes were bad early in the offseason, but now that we know he's going to be there, I don't see
2: any reason he shouldn't be a top 12 running back. And you're not lying about the passing game. He was fourth among all running backs and targets per game, sixth in PPR points per game. A lot of that comes from that one matchup week nine, 55.1 55. points, 55. 1 points. Yep. <laughs> with without that game. It's not a great uh, fantasy average, but. That doesn't mean that he can't be a little more consistent this year. Right. Three straight seasons over 15 PPR points per game.
3: Yeah, I, I did the Flex League draft with with Jamie and, and Jay Seeley this weekend, and Joe Mixon was my third-round pick. I'm I'm thrilled yeah, to get fine. him at the end of the third round. Ever. Yeah. like I, that is, I will literally do that every time I draft. I'm good with that.
0: Round oh, I take him. I, I think he's a 2-3-turn pick. I like yep. Mixon better than Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. I don't know how mm-hmm. you guys feel. I me. Mean, not yet. I, I think it's a certainty that the Patriots are going to sign a running back. So is it going to be someone who actually matters? Cook would matter, obviously, if it's Fournette or Zeke or something like that. I don't know how much that would matter. But um, I don't see I don't see why it takes Stevenson over Mixon, except you could say that Stevenson's a better player than Mixon, which is not a small deal. But I hope Mixon can just be better. I, I hope their offensive line can be a little bit better. It should be. Um, yeah, it should be. They They have to figure out right tackle, but they should be better at left tackle for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, Kind of a small issue, a quarterback for them, too. I don't know if you heard. No, it's he's six weeks to recover. He'll be fine. Hopefully he'll be fine. Listen, <laughs> My a lot advice. of people might be upset about taking Mixon in round three. If you see his name in round four, oh, I, I don't see how you can't be like at least willing to take the chance on him mm-hmm. again if he's there. By the way, we say rounds.
0: We're always talking about 12-team leagues. So you might mm-hmm. see him yes. in round four in a 10-team league. Yeah, very, very, very possible. Okay, uh, moving on here. Back to Chris's list,
3: which I did have in front of me briefly. Chris, who's your next rankings riser? Uh, Chris Godwin, who we talked about plenty already. We don't need to spend any more time on him. So I'll go with Brandon Ayuk, who I've moved up to wide receiver 30. I've talked a lot this offseason in the FFT newsletter about the 49ers math problem, and it's a Mm -hmm. really hard one. And like, I just saw a report, hey, could Christian McCaffrey have a thousand-thousand season? It's like, well, if that happens... Everybody else in that offense is not going to be worth drafting at their prices, but it's just hard to get around the dr- the constant drumbeat with Brandon Ayuk. We saw it last training camp that he was just clearly the best player in the offense. I don't know if I believe he's the best player. Debo Samuel's pretty good, but man, Brandon Ayuk's just really good, and I want to have some. Ex- what, what I moved him up mostly because I just realized I wasn't drafting him at all, and I want to have some exposure to the possibility that like. Debo Samuel gets hurt and misses 12 games and Brandon Ayuk's a fringe wide receiver one. You know, like I I think that's well within the realm of possibility. Where are you taking him? Um like
2: sixth round, fifth round sounds is that is that too optimistic? I feel like round five. This is gonna sound dopey, but I think round five is just too soon, too rich for my blood. But round six, if I felt like you felt I would Mm -hmm. take him there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Iuke we're talking about. So I think Iuke versus Marquise Brown is really interesting.
2: Yeah, I've got him back to back. Oh, and I am I am so unexcited about Marquise Brown, but it's a volume play. That's an offense that I think needs Marquise Brown mm-hmm. to be available and productive, uh, especially on short routes. And we've seen Brown get that job done before. Ayuke is explosive. He's having a great camp, all that stuff. The headlines are great. Here, the math problem that Chris referenced, I also recently wrote a story about the 49ers offense. Five games last year, including the playoffs, were Purdy's healthy, McCaffrey's healthy, Kittle's healthy, Debo's healthy. Ayuk averaged 3.2 catches per game, yep. 9.6 PPR points per game. I, I think it would make sense that the 49ers would want to get him more involved in the offense and that they they tilt targets more toward him and away, toward, away from Kittle. And other peripheral players in that offense. I, I'm hope I think that's what has to happen. Either that or else an injury to Debo or McCaffrey, uh, for Brandon Ayuk to really hit that potential. Yep. Or Kittle. it's what keeps me from taking him in round five. I can't do it. Well, I, I do think one thing in Ayuk's favor
0: is that Kittle, McCaffrey, and Debo, um, at least two of them you could throw the injury prone tag mm-hmm. on, right? It's hard to imagine all three of them staying healthy maybe Ayuk is less injury prone maybe it depends how you feel about that uh he's super interesting um but just to sum it up when all the guys were healthy and they were playing with Brock Purdy
3: it was debo samuel who was mm-hmm. getting more yes. targets you know and yeah, the target share in those s- games was like 26% kittle kittle's the one i'm really concerned about yeah. his target yes. share in the games where they were all healthy i think was 11.5% right
2: it, he kittle had 4.2 per game debo had 6.8 per game and Debo also had 3.2 carries per game, mm-hmm. and Ayuk had uh, 23 targets in five games.
0: So, all right, moving on uh, back to Chris's list here. We had Ayuk, and we have oh two rookie. Oh uh, no, sorry, one rookie, but one guy who's like basically a rookie is Justin Ross, Jalen Hyatt, and Justin Ross as, let's say, late-round flyers right now. Jalen Hyatt, third-round pick for the Giants. Justin Ross, a a long journey for the Chiefs and getting some reps now. Who would you take first, Hyatt or Ross?
3: Probably Hyatt still, uh, because there's a bigger need for a wide receiver to step up in in New York's offense. The the one thing that's funny is, like, I saw a stat that was, like, all of Daniel Jones' completions to all of his wide receivers in 11-on-11 drills, and, like, Jalen Hyatt was actually like fifth or sixth on that group. He's only had four completions, but it's like apparently every single one of those completions has been tweeted out by the Giants official account and has gone like (laughs) minorly viral because I've seen so much about him. Same with Justin Ross, where it's not exactly clear either of these guys is going to even be a starter on their teams, but they're the roles are very ambiguous in those passing games. There's an opportunity for both of these guys. They're showing flashes. I'm just making sure that I get them into my late round discussion. I'm not I'm not saying Jalen Hyatt and Justin Ross even need to be drafted in every 12 team league. Okay. But if you're looking for those late round dart throws, talented big play wide receivers in you know ambiguous passing situations is is a pretty good option, I think. All right. Dave, let's talk about your rankings risers here. Yeah. Yay. James
2: Cook. Okay, let's do a 30 second recap. Where'd you move him and why? He is in the round six range and in PPR, I'm fighting myself on putting him in round five. I am getting excited about him. Loved how excited Josh Allen was talking about James Cook and saying without being prompted that he's, quote, going to take a large portion of the carries. And in the past game, he's going to be kind of a dual threat guy for us. And I I think this is one of the ways that Buffalo is going to try and diversify their offense is by using James Cook in the passing game. Very worried about his touchdown production. But 1,000 total yards and maybe 40 to 50 catches on top of that, I'm willing to take the chance on him in round six as a a low-end RB2 in PPR. He's going to fall farther in non-PPR. David Montgomery or James Cook? I've got Cook one spot ahead of Montgomery and PPR. Montgomery clearly ahead of him and none. and half.
0: DeAndre Swift or James Cook?
2: Cook. Chris, I'm kind of I'm kind of not a Swift guy because I'm slow. You know, I'm big. Yeah, yeah totally. Chris, you know, you my got- forty time is like. 10, Ten. All right,
0: like, Chris. Who you got? James Cook uh, or, or Montgomery? And, and big uh,
3: Taylor Swift guy. I know that. Um, <laughs> I Montgomery pretty clearly for me with Overcook Swift. I, I think is a little closer. Montgomery is just. I think that there's a high floor in that offense, but man, if Gibbs isn't, you know, a really good player right away, or if he gets hurt, I, I just think Montgomery has top twelve upside in this offense. There's, I think he's going to be a, a part of the passing game, but if Gibbs. Misses time Montgomery could be a 60 catch guy you know he's been a good pass catcher in his career yeah, he's true. a good pass blocker all that stuff so I just I, I think the upside and the path to RB1 I think there's basically no path for James Cook to finish as a top 12 running back this season that's just in that mm-hmm. offense it's basically impossible All right, Montgomery uh, I can see a pretty clear path
0: Dave Brian Robinson Rashad Penny I think we covered them is there anything we you did to add? who, who I, do you prefer you can
2: rewind 15 minutes and hear about both of them
0: who do you prefer Robinson or Penny
2: I believe I have a Robinson ranked higher. All right, Christian because I think you can say healthier. Sorry. Stay healthier.
0: Christian he Watson. Christian Watson.
2: So uh, Christian Watson. He, he's one of two Packers receivers that's been making plays consistently in camp. They had a uh they had a scrimmage as part of their Packers family night. And I like that Jordan Love was making plays off schedule, and that always helps with somebody like Christian Watson who can make plays after the catch, whether it's a deep ball that travels 30 yards and he catches it and runs the rest of the way for a touchdown, or he takes a short crosser in for a touchdown, which he did last year with Jordan love. I'm targeting him around 50th overall. I'm hoping to get him on my teams as a high upside wide receiver too. I
0: never see Christian Watson lasting that long, but let's check the ADP. It is that long. Um, I don't know. It really depends on how, you know, ADP has him
2: like 57th, although I'm looking at fantasy pros. I don't know where NFC yeah, has four, him. Yeah, he's 46th on NFC over the month of August, and and that's fine. I would take him in late round four.
0: Okay. Fair enough on Christian Watson.
2: Mike Williams, a riser for you. He's also been getting moved around the formation in LA and just rave reviews about the Chargers passing game ever since their camp open that doesn't surprise me, given who the new offensive coordinator is and who the quarterback is. Herbert's healthy, great system to work in. Once Quentin Johnston gets established, it's going to be really hard for defenses to contain anybody. They're going to play a ton of zone, and that could lead a lot of open situations for Mike Williams to make a catch and then make a play after. I have not been a big Mike Williams guy over the course of his career. I am willing to take a chance on him now because I think the price is actually lower than it's been um, mm-hmm. over the balance of his recent career, oh, yeah. the last couple of seasons. Mike Williams or Brandon Ayuk?
1: Hmm.
2: I've got Williams. Uh, here's how I have it ranked. Williams, Godwin, Hollywood Brown, Brandon Ayuk. Back to back to back to back in PPR. I
3: actually have... They're pretty much all right in the same range. I have Brown ranked highest, then Williams, then Ayuk. and we right really
0: would prefer these guys be our third receiver
3: yes for sure
0: yeah and that's not bad there okay that's it's a late round five round six range so later nico collins and dj chark are two guys you have as risers and they both have the opportunity to be top receivers for a rookie quarterback and dj chark has definitely had a a good camp a lot of good press there for him Mm -hmm. so who do you like better collins or chark
2: i like collins better He's also gotten some great headlines out in Houston. And these are two receivers that fantasy managers have gambled on before and mostly lost, but they've got good opportunities to be target leaders for their teams. I'm always on the lookout. You know, I'm always on the lookout for running backs in the middle rounds. I'm on the lookout for receivers in the late rounds because I want one or two who I can feel good about as my top depth guy. And I think that Collins definitely qualifies as that. Last shark a little a little more nervous on than Collins.
0: Okay, but but shark is someone to know because I I don't know should I be taking him ahead of Jonathan Mingo at this point?
2: Should I be taking? Yes, I would. How about Thielen? I would there too. You take easy to do that in non PPR, a little bit harder to do in full PPR.
0: This last one is really interesting. The rookie tight ends, uh, Dave just put rookie tight ends as rankings risers. (laughs) Yep. It was a great draft class. A lot of them got taken pretty early, either in the first round or early second round, all getting good buzz. Of course, rookies always get good buzz, you know, for the most part. But, all right, how many of them do you really think should be drafted among the rookie tight ends in a, in a 12-team normal league?
2: The is two, and you know the names. It's Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo and Sam Laporta in Detroit. But there's a third one that started to make waves, and it's one we really haven't talked about. It's Luke Musgrave. Mm -hmm. who's been fitting in with the Packers passing game. And we know that in that system that they run, they've always used a tight end as a target there, not necessarily making him fantasy relevant. And I don't think that Musgrave is going to get drafted in every single 12-team league, but it's a name to know, especially in tight end premium. The other two guys, great reviews for both of them. They're already playing with their first-team offenses. I believe Kincaid opened camp with the first-team offense, and Laporta followed soon thereafter. Laporta is, is a play on the early part of the season. Without Jamison Williams there, maybe he sees an uptick in targets. He's someone that you just start your season with as a streamer. Same thing with Kincaid. I would take Kincaid first.
0: All right, it's time to take a little bit of a break here and get to our rankings fallers after this on Fantasy Football Today.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
0: Finishing the show on a on a down note. Literally, <laughs> players moving down in the rankings. Maybe I didn't have to say literally. Maybe that was obvious that it was literal. I don't know. Um, Figuratively. yeah.
2: <laughs> Dave, uh, Jonathan Taylor is moving down in your rankings. He's been moving down, and he's in that round three range for me. So I'm basically avoiding Jonathan Taylor until I feel a lot more certain about what his future holds. It's just too murky right now. I don't like that. The Colts are making multiple additions at, at running back and getting guys on and off the roster at that position. They seem to really be planning for, you know, at least beginning the year without Jonathan Taylor. It sounds crazy. It just sounds like that this thing could be mended quickly and Taylor's back in there. But what if this goes right up to the start of the season and Taylor doesn't practice in camp? He's there with the team, but he's not practicing. It just makes me nervous that he's going to you know, suffer some sort of injury. We know that he was slow to recover from an ankle. He may or may not have a back problem. <laughs> and then you've got the issue of the quarterback taking work away from him, not just anywhere on the field, but also in short yardage goal line. I'm getting nervous about drafting Jonathan Taylor unless it's at a good price. Round three is where I have him ranked. I would consider him in late round two. Mixon, Ramondre, Taylor, who's your favorite? Ramondre's ahead of Taylor. Taylor is one spot ahead of Mixon right now.
0: Okay. And also on your fallers list is
2: Chris Godwin. We talked about him. J.K. Dobbins. We talked about him. Samaje Pirine falling. He's falling because Javante Williams is rising. And it sounds like Williams is doing what we were hoping Brees Hall was going to do and that we thought Javante had no chance of doing. And that's Mm -hmm. participating in training camp in the preseason. And he's apparently looking fine. And he's going to get in some games before the season starts. And he might be Denver's lead running back to begin the year. I am certain that Piron's going to play in passing down situations. But I think Javante could end up being the 1A right away Mm -hmm. in Denver. And that's something that we didn't necessarily see. He's going to go in that round five range.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people seem to think both of them are going to have roles. Both of them are going to have good fantasy value or at least
2: mm-hmm. fantasy value. Well, P Ryan's the bargain, if that's the case.
3: Yeah, and he he's the guy that, like, you hope has early season value and then also as a handcuff. He's kind of like a super handcuff where he has his own standalone value, hopefully, especially early on in the season before sure. Javante's is 100%. But then if there's any kind of setback with Javante, you know, Samaj P. probably ranked as a, a
2: top 24 running back. If yep. uh, Javante misses time. P. ADP in August on NFC is 10555 And Javante is at 59.32. It's easy to love P. Ryan's value there. But I was ranking him significantly higher because I thought that there was a chance that he could be a great early season running back. That doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. I don't
0: really like Javante that high, but I had been drafting a lot of Javante Williams. I thought that the hate was going a little bit too far, but that was around seven. At the end of round five in a 12-team league, I do not think I'm comfortable drafting Javante there because you just always have to remind yourself to remind yourself, guys struggle coming mm-hmm. off of ACL injuries. I mean, right now you can say, oh, he's healthy. He's, uh, he's going to play. He's going to play. In yeah, the there's a season. difference between healthy and right. Exactly, exactly. It just it doesn't and, always happen. I mean, sometimes Adrian Peterson happens, but yeah. it, we have enough evidence. This is a serious injury to torn ligaments. You just can't expect him to be uh, himself at first.
3: Javante, look, there was a lot to like about him as a prospect. There was a lot to like about him coming into his career and what he showed, but... He never had the high-end athleticism. For all he did really well, there was not the long speed. He was not a big play guy, he was not a breakaway guy. And that's before tearing two ligaments in his knee. So, I just I think there's a decent chance that he comes out and just kind of looks like he's stuck in the mud for a little while. Right. And you know, he relies so much on after contact making guys miss. If he's not 100%, you know, it could be a situation where he's averaging 3.5 yards per carry for the first month.
0: All right. But you are dropping DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Dave, in your rankings. Uh where are you going
2: that's, to take that's not because of anything they're doing. That's just because of Smith Najigba mm-hmm. and what he's doing.
0: All right. Give me some context though. Who did you move Metcalf behind? Who did you move Lockett
2: behind? Metcalf is currently behind. Give me a second. He's behind Watson. He's behind Debo. I'm still taking DeAndre Hopkins in full PPR out of DK Metcalf. I'm seeing Metcalf get drafted a lot earlier than I thought that he should because I do think there could be a semblance of a target crunch form, and I wonder if there's going to be a red zone target crunch form as well. Just given how excited everybody is about Smith and the Jigba in Seattle and what defenses are probably going to try and do to begin the season, and especially in the red zone, I think they're still going to lean toward trying to take Metcalf away. I'll tell you what. If he if, still if, is a top thirty ADP on NFC,
0: yeah. No, if if you guys, you everybody on CBS is right. Uh, if everyone, well, at least I'm looking at the rankings. Jamie Dave, and Heath. If everyone's right about DK Metcalf, then he is currently one of the most overdrafted players because Dave is still the high guy on Metcalf, and he has him twenty-two.
3: Jamie, I've has got him, him twenty-two. You have him fifteen. I've got him, and and both him and Lockett. I actually, they're two players that I project higher than I actually rank them. Lockett, I'm just going to draft Lockett everywhere. <laughs> he's on like literally every single team I've drafted this season because he's going as a wide receiver three. I, I projected him. His projection is wide receiver 16. I have him ranked wide receiver 23. I just think this is a really good passing game. Those are elite players. Yes, Jeff, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to play a role, but I don't think like this idea that he's just going to come in and usurp either of those guys, I think is unlikely lock it just like, yes, he's been the most probably relative to price, the most valuable player in fantasy for like five years in a row. He's just (laughs) consistently outperforms what we expect. We've, we've done this with DK Metcalf. All the young high end prospect is going to overtake Tyler Lockett. I think it's happened once in four seasons where, where Metcalf has outperformed Lockett. I just, I'll bet on the elite talents here. I'll bet on those guys continuing to be really, really productive players and Metcalf, the big dip last year his yards after catch went from at least four point four per reception in each of his first three seasons to just two point four last year. Nothing oh. else really changed. Yeah, totally. you know his average depth of target catch rate. We're all within the realm of his or the range of his career norms. I think that's probably just a fluke. And this is a guy who a couple of years ago was a thirteen hundred yard, ten touchdown guy. So I, 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 I get the concerns, and there there are some some scenarios where Smith and Jigba you know, takes such a big chunk of the passing game that those guys are hurt, but
2: I'll take the value with Metcalf and lock it falling in the rankings. I just don't, do think you have it on, th- do you have have it on value, the top though. of your head? What Metcalf's targets per game were in that 1,310 touchdown season?
0: Uh, lower than I've they got were it last right year. Here. That was three okay. seasons ago. So he's, Metcalf has had two bad seasons in a row by his, his eight targets per game by mm-hmm. certainly by his 2020 standards. But um I I think there's so much at play here. I mean, it's so interesting because you look at Lockett and he is going to be 31 years old. Yep. And he had more than 68 yards in one of his last 12 games, including the play. But
3: that's Tyler Lockett.
0: No, no, this is much worse than that. This is, uh, there were very few, he was saved by touchdowns last year. It was weird. And, and this was a, this was worse. And at that age, I always bring this up. It does remind me a little bit of Adam Thielen. So that's,
3: but Thielen's per-target metrics and per-route metrics took a big hit, which wasn't necessarily the case with Lockett.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean and, certainly and, more optimistic. About and Lockett. like, what range was it after week five? You said it was his last twelve games,
3: including the playoffs. So his last
1: I mean, eleven that, regular that's season
3: games. More one game with more than sixty-eight yards sounds a lot worse than six games with at least sixty. But it's which not is really a thousand-yard pace?
0: Uh, yeah, but that's in a seventeen-game season. A thousand well, yards yeah, is really you're nine. scoring nine touchdowns. It's pretty good. If you're scoring the touchdowns, then a thousand and nine is good. Yeah, he's yeah. But I'm just which saying, which is what Tyler Lockett does. If he's declining, then it makes me feel more confident in DK Metcalf. If he's not declining, then I'm. Then I think the middle of round three is is probably too soon for Metcalf because you're not getting value. You might be getting value based on Dave Jamie and Heath's rankings, but based mm-hmm. on where he's actually going in drafts, you're not getting that value yet for DK Metcalf. I, I, that could that could change. He could be an ADP follower, not just a rankings follower if the JSN buzz is still carrying on. But so far, it hasn't happened. All right, I want to make sure we get to Chris's followers here. So Michael Pittman is actually a mutual one. So I'll let... Uh, that's the last one for Dave. It's one for Chris. So I'll
3: let you start, Chris. Uh, Michael Pittman is a follower for you and for Dave. Yeah, I just, one, the whole Jonathan Taylor situation has me thinking that this might just be a disaster season for the Colts, which wouldn't be an outlier for them. Uh, last season was pretty disastrous as well. But for me, it's mostly just when when they first drafted Anthony Richardson, I was like, man, this is the most talented quarterback Michael Pittman's ever played for. And then I started actually doing the the thought process of how much are they going to throw? How good are the targets going to be? And it's, it's probably a net downgrade from last season where I, I assumed it might not be. And, you know, it, it's mostly just in the sober light of day. I realized that Michael Pittman's not really someone that I, I think has much upside. He's actually not even a top 36 wide receiver for me. I see the same for Jamie and Heath. Um, if I get him as my number four wide receiver, I think that's okay. As my number five, as a bench guy, that's probably what I prefer, but he's just not someone who's going to be a priority for me. And Dave has him 35th. So not
0: exa- yeah. he's the high guy at 35 on Pittman. Ramondre Stevenson, a follower for you, Chris, to where?
3: Mm. Uh, he was, he opened the the draft season as like RB7 for me. Now he's more like RB12. I've got him sandwiched between uh, Mixon and Travis Etienne. And I, there's definitely a path to upside. But one thing that I've really come to realize throughout this process is Bill O'Brien's offenses do not throw to their running backs. This is, it's kind of, Shocking, we think of his time with New England. That was actually one of the worst seasons that the Patriots have ever had in terms of throwing to their running backs. 9.5% of their passes in 2011, when Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, were thrown to their running backs. That was with Tom Brady. It was also like Wes Welker and Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez was like kind of the peak of that offense, but still. That was a thing in his uh, time in Texas, in Houston, the second lowest target share of any team during Bill O'Brien's time in Houston. Uh, And even like David Johnson and Duke Johnson, two really good pass catching running backs in Houston combined for a 16.3% target share. That was all their running backs that year. So it's just, it might not be as good a situation for running backs as we've gotten used to in new England. And then it seems pretty likely they're going to add someone, you know, whether it's Leonard Fournette or Dalvin cook, it seems pretty likely that it's not just going to be Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris Mm -hmm. as Ramondre Stevenson's primary competition. So I just, I think there are more ways for things to go poorly from here than there are ways for
2: them to go really, really well. How dare you forget about Ty Montgomery. Also Ty Montgomery. (laughs) In that backfield mix. Uh, Just one thing. Where did Bill O'Brien call plays last year? Uh, Does it matter, though? I mean, the the college, the collegiate level... He's making use of the talent that he has, which is. But the Stevenson mark of
3: an... wasn't really a great pass catcher. He was a he was a, an enthusiastic and active pass
2: catcher, but on <laughs> yeah, a per target per right. route basis, McCaffrey.
3: Stevenson wasn't like a difference maker in the passing game. I mean, it was it was all volume.
2: No, but he need we needed those fantasy points from him in order yes. to be good. And so the question is, can he get them back? And there is a little bit of concern there, but I also think that they don't, they, they've painted themselves into a corner with their run game. And Stevenson's got to be their guy. And with so the hopefully, game, yeah. hopefully the offensive line takes a step forward and Stevenson can at least match what he did last year. He averaged 14.3 PPR points per game in six games without Damian Harris. That number feels a little low. That's not where you want to take a running back. Uh, with a top 30 pick, you want to get somebody after that if that's the expectation. I'm hoping he's used a little bit more and exceeds that mark this year.
0: Yeah, I just, right. It's, is he really going to catch? A, first of all, like I've said, he wasn't even a third down back. He caught 69 passes and only 12 on third down. So they right. just threw Which the ball. is good. That's a
2: plus, it, if you ask. It me.
0: can be. Just You just never know year to year. And the only thing is, you know, you talk about the Bill O'Brien offense, though. Chris, I mean, I wonder when you have DeAndre Hopkins, was that the bigger factor? Why throw to the running backs when you can throw, yeah, the, ball? Watson, yeah, sure, right. you throw the ball? I mean,
2: to are, that, yeah, Deshaun yeah, Watson, too. Sure, right.
3: are and there are things that play into it across the board, but it was just, it was so consistent over so many years, and it wasn't just the Deshaun Watson era. It was when, you know, they had Ryan Mallett starting one season. Like And it's hard to know, like, hey, is Ryan Mallett actually doing what uh-huh. Bill O'Brien wants him to? That, that's a fair question at that time.
2: Ryan but like, Mallett. <laughs> I, I can't I, believe I, we we're shouldn't talking. be going this yeah, far. Yeah, we shouldn't back. be.
0: All right, let's move to Ken Walker here, Chris. Uh, Ken Walker, a faller for you. I talked about it with you yesterday on FFT and five. You know, could it get to the point where Ken Walker falls so far that it, mm-hmm. it, it's more appealing?
3: Very, yeah. Appealing. I, I think like when you talk about the the ADP, it, it's possible that he falls, but he was still before this injury being drafted arguably as a top 15 running back. He was going ahead of like Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. I just I didn't love that value for a guy who probably doesn't have a ton of passing game upside and really needed to dominate rushing work. And now that he's dealing with the the concern for me, hopefully he's healthy, but it's just it was a groin injury last year that required surgery and training camp. Now it's a groin injury again. So the recurring nature of that does make me think there's just a little bit of risk there.
0: OK, that's an interesting take. When would you take Ken Walker?
3: Uh, he's like RB 20 ish for me, so I'm fine with him in.
2: I don't know, the the 55 to 60 range. That's exactly where his NFC ADP is living right now. Yep. 55.6. Good value there. Drake London, a faller for you, Chris.
3: Yeah, this is another one where just kind of like Pittman, I uh, was initially enthusiastic and then you start to do the math and it's like, man, unless this team just throws a ton more, I can't justify him as a wide receiver two. He's more like a wide receiver three for me. I would rather have Marquise Brown, even though I do think Drake London's a better player. Um, and then reports out of Atlanta's uh, camp have, have not been super positive as far as Desmond Ritter's performance. So I'm just, I'm a little worried there, especially with how high the bar is to be a, a relevant fantasy wide receiver. And Anthony Richardson, you know, actually Heath put it pretty well. He's-
0: been pretty publicly saying I'm, I'm lower on richardson than dave jamie and Heath are. they have him as a top 10 quarterback but when you look at the position he made a good point on the quarterback's preview why not draft richardson first higher than you know what i might rank him mm-hmm. uh and then take someone later who's still going to be available like an aaron Rodgers or a geno smith or so, whoever you like in that range jared goff i'm not going to do that now. i won't get into it um I could speak for a minute or two on that, but I won't. But I think there's a reason not to do it. But Chris, what what do you think about Richardson?
3: Why did you drop him? I opened camp with him as like the number eight quarterback, and I've moved him to like 10 or 11. For me, it's mostly just once you start doing the projection, unless you're just projecting him for like 900 rushing yards, he's probably going to be so unproductive as a passer that if he's anything short of, the second best rushing quarterback in the NFL, he's probably not going to be worth starting. I mean, we saw Justin Fields last season really, really good. That was one of, if not the best rushing seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback. And he was, you know, overall fine. He was like, what, QB eight over the course of the full season in points per game? That just, that feels like drafting Anthony Richardson at his ceiling because he's probably going to throw maybe 400 passes. It's still not 100% certain he's even going to open camp or the regular season as the starter. It just, I can't justify taking him over Tua and Deshaun Watson, two guys that we've seen the high level upside from. I I could justify Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. I think it's fine to take him ahead of those guys. But if I'm looking for a starting quarterback, I'll, I'll take Tua and Deshaun Watson over him. If it makes you feel any better, Fields was 5th per game and 4 point and 6th per game and okay. 6 point So that is better than 8th. Um okay. And there you but go. again, that was the be- arguably the best rushing season we've seen from a quarterback.
0: Whereas it's, Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just so funny hit Chris that you're dropping him in your rankings to like 10 or 11, which is still right, yeah. way still- higher
3: than where he's going.
2: Exactly. Yes.
3: That that's always a weird one cuz where he's going it's happening clearly. It's just not in any of the drafts that I'm doing. Any any draft I'm doing, he's lasting quite a bit longer than that,
2: or he's going quite a bit earlier than 15 at quarterback. He's going after around 10 in NFC ADP drafts uh, in the month of August. He went. Uh, my son took him to be his backup quarterback in his draft with his buddies yesterday. Uh, he took Trevor Lawrence in round six or seven, and he took Anthony Richardson in round like 11.
0: And let me finish. That's awesome, by the way. Let me finish off by giving you a piece of advice that I witnessed. Something I witnessed this weekend is you're talking about your son doing a draft. My nephew, he's I don't know, it's like 11 or something. I should probably know that. He was doing a bunch of fantasy drafts. He's just like, hey, he had his phone. He's like, oh, I'm going to do a fantasy draft. So I was with him this weekend. So he starts is doing, Easton. Yep,
2: yeah, yep. Yeah. So he starts. The dude's doing a, ready to take our jobs. Uh, yeah, I know, for sure. He's awesome.
0: He starts doing a fantasy draft, 10 team league, I think. Um, whatever. I think we had Cooper Cup and. Stefan Diggs was the first two picks. He made a huge mistake. And we don't talk about this enough, but in the fourth and fifth round, I believe, he fell asleep.
2: So Mm, don't... You got to stay (laughs) awake. Yeah. That's kind of rule number one. Yeah, Yeah, don't draft
0: tired. Don't draft tired. He he was on the, you know, he's like leaning on the couch with the phone in his hand. This could be a mistake. And sure enough, I left the room. I come back. Oh, who'd you get with your last three picks? He's like, oh, I I fell asleep. Let me check. Don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. And you should be fine. Uh, Thanks to Chris and Dave. And for all of you for watching and listening, we'll talk to you tomorrow with running backs on Fantasy
1: Football Team.